It's funny to watch your heads going with the music. I'm sure you're doing that at the other campuses too. Hey, welcome church. So glad everybody is here today. I want to welcome our Stone Canyon and Vertigris campuses and uh, so good to have you along with us, all right? Um, yes, today is uh, Palm Sunday, uh, of course, uh, remembering that triumphal entry of Christ coming in, Jesus coming into uh, Jerusalem, and, and uh, all leading up to uh, what we'll be celebrating next week with Easter and the resurrection, and man, we are excited about, uh, about next weekend and, and just the impact that we hope to have on all of our communities. And, and I just want to, before we jump into the message today, I just want to kind of cover a few things with all three campuses, make sure we're all on the same page here. Uh, starting with this Saturday, we have all of our hood hunt locations, seven hood hunt locations around our communities, around here in Owasso, out in Stone Canyon area, out in Vertigris, and uh, we, uh, we've got lots of volunteers signed up, but we've got room for more volunteers, and so if you have not signed up, uh, you can go online, get signed up, and be a part of those, all right? Those are great opportunities to uh, connect with people in our uh, communities, to have conversations, to invite them uh, to join us uh, on Easter Sunday when, when uh, so many people say we'll, we'll say yes to an invitation. So that's a great opportunity to do that and just an opportunity to show the love of Jesus by giving an opportunity for kids to have fun and, uh, and, and celebrate Easter. So that's next Saturday. Uh, get online, get signed up, and uh, be a part of those, and be praying for those events that uh, they'll have a great impact, okay? And then we have Easter Sunday, okay? Uh, services, uh, special celebration services at all three campuses, uh, again, celebrating the resurrection. And uh, along with that, you know, we always need volunteers, extra volunteers, especially here at North Garnett with the added service. And so if you want to serve, uh, man, just on your connection card, just write Easter, and we'll get a hold of you and, and help you get plugged into one of our uh, areas where we need uh, more volunteers. And so you can be a part of that. But the other part of uh, Easter services, as I already said, was so many people will say yes to an invitation to church. And so we want to encourage everyone to invite somebody to join you, all right? Not just to show up, but to join you. Hey, will you come with me and uh, meet them here and, and uh, uh, have them be a part of our, our service in your seat at all campuses? You should have found a little card like this, a little invitation card, okay? And uh, that is not for you to put on your fridge as a reminder, okay? <laughs> nah, this is for you to go give to someone, and uh, if you need more of these, maybe there's some uh, seats around you where you can grab them. If you need a whole stack, maybe you have a business where you can put a stack of them on a counter. Uh, talk to our ushers, go to the hub, go to your campus guy at your campus, and uh, they can give you some more of these if you want uh, 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 more of these. If you want to canvas your neighborhood, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Okay, get a bunch of them, take them with you, and uh, give them out and invite others to join us next week as we get together to, to celebrate Easter, okay? Uh, another important part of Easter, yes, the announcements keep coming, all right? It's like, where's Jesus in the Bible? Okay, we'll get there. Um, another important part of our Easter celebration that we do every year at Easter is our Easter offering. Uh, it is a part of our celebration, it is a part of our worship to give a special gift uh, over and above our regular tithes and offerings uh, that we give to God. And uh, it's always been a, a great uh, uh, moment in the church as we give and we see God move in a great way. This year's uh, gift uh, offering is going to be going to our Ripple Effect project, which is 
uh, our, which was paying down debt, as well as building our Phase 3 facility here on our North Garnett campus. And, uh, and so 100% of what's given is going to, to that as we knock that down uh, and hopefully eliminate it. That frees up more money for ministry, okay? And so we're all in on this, all campuses all in on this, as we want to free up more ministry to reach more people. All right, and so uh, we want to encourage everybody to be prayerful about what God would have you to give. Um, an exciting part of that is that one of the families, one of our families, First Church families, has uh, given a matching gift as a part of this. So when you give in the Easter offering, your gift is doubled, okay? You give $1, it becomes 2 You give 500 it becomes 1000 See what I'm saying? God's doing something big, okay? And we are praying to eliminate that debt. Now, here's what I know uh, about us and about the family who has given this gift. We don't want this to be about, let's pay off the debt. Let's make a big offering. We want this to be a faith journey. Uh, We want this to be an opportunity for every one of us to challenge ourselves and really ask God, God, what do you want us to do? What what is something, what is a gift that we could give that's over and above what we typically give to this special offering? And allow this to be a, a time for your faith to grow uh, in the area of giving, okay? And uh, so we're, it, this is exciting. Uh, it is exciting. And we look forward to seeing uh, how God's going to bless the church uh, through that offering. Uh, and we're excited about Easter as we get together with the body of Christ family, and we celebrate Jesus. That's next week, and man, we always call this the Super Bowl Sunday of church, all right? And so here it is. It's next week, and so be praying. You should have got an email if you get our emails. Uh, You should have got an email this week that had a a list of things to be praying through. I hope that you'll be praying all throughout this week, and on that email, there's even a place where you can let us know that you prayed. We would love to see how many people are praying for how long uh, that you've prayed, so we can say, you know what, we had 20 hours of prayer lifted up to God, 40 hours of prayer lifted up to God for what he's going to do here. And, uh, and that would be one more thing we could celebrate. So anyway, Easter Sunday, I'm excited. Be here. Bring somebody with you. Let's see what God's going to do. All right? Commercial over. All right, here we go. Let's jump back in to, to where we're at here. You know, at the beginning of this year, on, in the very first message of this year, 2017, uh, we kind of laid out a, a vision for 2017 for First Church. And one of the things we said is we're, we want to go green, all right? We want to be a church that goes green. And, you know, we're not, not talking about solar panels everywhere, but we want to be a church that sees the green light that we are called to go and to be a going church and to go and reach this lost world, okay? And as we've been marching through the book of Acts, what we have been seeing is a going church, right? As we've watched that church get launched and take off, it just keeps going, reaching more and more people with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus, all right? And if you remember back, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the book of Acts, the the key verse, really we call it the anchor verse of of the book of Acts, is Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus is talking to his disciples right before his ascension, and he's kind of giving them a, a final charge there, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of 
the earth. Really, Jesus is pretty much giving us an outline for the book of Acts. As he says that you're going to receive power, well, that's what we saw happen in chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples, and they begin to preach, and, and people begin to hear in their own language the good news of Jesus, and so the power came, and he says, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth, and we began to see that happen. You look at uh, Pentecost, they're in Jerusalem, the gospel goes out, thousands come to faith and are baptized into Christ that day, and so Jerusalem's hit with the gospel. But then you go beyond that, and it begins to spread beyond Jerusalem into the surrounding area, which is Judea. Jerusalem's part of it, and it continues to move forward. As you go to Acts chapter 8, whenever the church begins being persecuted, it says that all the disciples are scattered among Judea and Samaria. They're in verse 1 of chapter 8. And, and, and so the gospel where, where the people are scattered, guess what goes with them? The gospel, the news of Jesus. And so more people are hearing about it. And now it's gone from Jerusalem to Judea. And then in verse 4 and 5, it talks about Philip whenever he uh, goes to a town in Samaria. Okay, that was next on Jesus' list, right? And so now it's to Samaria. And then what Jesus' last point is you're gonna, it's going to go to the end of the earth. You're going to be my, my witnesses to the very end of the earth. Well, where's that? And, you know, in the earth round you know where's the end and uh, but what he's saying the idea in that day was that rome and the the gentile world way out there that was kind of the, the end of the world and what we've been watching is paul marching forward with his missionary journeys until he gets to rome now he doesn't get to rome like he probably wanted to get to rome but he gets to rome we're going to hear about that today that's what we're going to be unpacking uh here today now, you'll remember last week, if you were here, uh, we, we talked about Paul was, uh, had been in prison. He'd been on trial for some time there in Jerusalem, and, uh, and he's appealed to Caesar. And we're going to watch him finally make it to Rome, okay? But what we've seen in the book of Acts is the gospel continue to go forward and forward and reach more and more people. And what we learn is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for everyone. Okay, and, and maybe you can remember this also from the very beginning of the year. We've been hitting this statement over and over again, that vision statement that we've said. That we want to reach lost people and grow found people. That we want to be a community where everyone is welcome because no one's perfect. And anything's possible, right? We've been saying that over and over again. That's what we've seen in the church as it continues to move forward. We've seen the gospel go from the Jews to the Gentiles. We've seen it go to, to the rich and the poor. We've seen it to go to families and individuals. We've seen it to go to the, the popular and the unpopular. We've seen it go to the, the powerful and the not so powerful. We've seen the gospel go to everyone because everyone is a candidate for salvation. And that's why we strive to be a place where everyone is welcome, because everyone needs Jesus. And so again, we, as we come to the very end of the book of Acts, yes, this is the last message, crazy, 16 weeks, here we go, uh, last message in the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapters 27 and 28. And again, we're going to see Paul finally make it to Rome. Now, Paul is 
confident that he's supposed to go to Rome. I mean, God has put it on his heart. He knows without a doubt that's where he's supposed to go. Matter of fact, if you back up, you go to Acts chapter 19, verse 21. He makes a statement to some of his fellow believers. He says, uh, I must visit Rome. It's on his heart. He knows that he's supposed to go there. You go to Acts 23, verse 11. Jesus, Jesus himself speaking to Paul, giving him some encouragement, says, you must testify in Rome. You've got to go tell them about me over in Rome. And then where we are in our text today in verse 27, whenever Paul is in, uh, on a ship out in the sea in the middle of a storm and everything's falling apart, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And in verse 24 of chapter 27, an angel, this angel says to him, you must stand before Caesar. Paul's confident that he is in God's plan, following what God has in store for him as he heads to Rome. Now, it would be easy if you're in Paul's shoes uh, to think, okay, if I'm, if I'm following God's plan, then things are going to go well. Things are gonna, this is going to be smooth sailing, all right, because I'm following God's plan. No, no, no. It's not what's happened. It's not what we see in, in what happens with Paul. As you read through chapter 27, all you read about are trials and difficulties, one after another. It starts with the storm. They board this ship. They're heading out, and, and a storm like, like they had never seen before, actually, a typhoon hits them, and for two weeks they're battered until finally they come across the next trial, they were shipwrecked. But nobody died. God was protecting them and gives them, them assurance through Paul. And they make it to this island. And then when they get to this island, the people, the inhabitants of this island, Malta, they, they took care of them. They were very nice to them. It was great. And we get a picture, just a little glimpse of Paul while he's on this island. He's, again, two weeks of shipwreck, uh, or two, two weeks of uh, storm, now shipwreck. Now they've finally made themselves to this island where they're gathered up, and, and, and there's a fire built. And we have this picture of Paul carrying wood. After all he had been through, he's carrying wood. You know, just, this has little to do with my message, but what an example of servant leadership. That in spite of all he had been through, here he is carrying wood to go and warm others. But while he's carrying wood, Luke, the historian, gives us another little picture of something that happens. He says, and a viper attached itself. I like the way he says that. He attached himself to Paul's arm, all right? <laughs> so a snake, all right, blah, blah, you know, grabs him, all right, gets a hold of him, fangs in his arm. And it says, and Paul shook it off in the fire. I would yell and scream and run away, all right? But no, not Paul. He's, he's a stud. All right, a ah, little snake. Yeah, get it off. Burns up in the fire. Now, all the inhabitants of the island are watching, and they're thinking, the gods are against this guy. He must be a murderer. He survived the shipwreck, and now they got him with a snake. <laughs> All right. And so they're watching for him to die. <laughs> it's like their entertainment for the evening, I guess. But he didn't. He didn't even swell up. And so their mindset shifts from the gods must be against him to he must be a god. Whatever the case, I mean, trial after trial, 
I mean, at some point, I would think Paul would go, God, really, a snake? Really? But it opened a door for Paul to have an incredible impact just on that island and sharing the gospel with the people there. Finally, if you go on in the story, springtime comes, the, the wind that they needed came, and they jumped back on another ship, and, and they head to Rome. But again, Paul's not arriving to Rome like he probably would have hoped to have arrived, arrived at, at, at Rome because he's going as a prisoner, a chained prisoner. He's not going as a diplomat. He's not going as a great leader that everybody's waiting and anticipating to hear from. No, he's going as a prisoner. And he arrives in Rome. Every one of us are going to face difficulties in life. Even, maybe even especially whenever you're following God's plan. Life is filled with difficulties. But trust in God's plan. That's what we see in Paul. Through all the difficulties, through all his struggles, through storm, shipwreck, snake bite, all of it, he just keeps trusting in God's plan to get him to Rome. I believe that God does desire for us to have a blessed life. I believe his plan for us is to have a blessed life, a great life, a wonderful life. If you're married, I, think he, I, I believe he wants you to have a wonderful marriage. If you have kids, he wants you to have wonderful kids that are perfect and never talk back. If you have a career, I believe he wants you to have a wonderful, fulfilling career. I mean, I believe that he wants that because he's that kind of a father. But it's no guarantee because we have an enemy. Paul faced an enemy. Satan knew what he was heading to Rome to do, and he wanted to do anything that he could to knock him off path. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, often the sea was referred to as being a, an element of the enemy spiritual attack and it's at sea where Paul would face the majority of his, his attack maybe there's a parallel there listen we have an enemy yes God wants to be, wants us to be blessed and, and I believe we can live a blessed life but that does not mean that we will not have difficulties but in the midst of our difficulties whatever they might be we must keep trusting in God's plan you see, I, I believe Paul had a, had a big dream for his life, especially before he met Jesus. I mean, he was on the, on the path to having a re wonderful career and, and uh, uh, great wealth, and then he met Jesus. All that went away. Yeah, I believe he had a great plan, a great dream, Paul did, but Jesus had a bigger dream, had a bigger plan. And I think the same might be true for us. I, you know, we get big dreams, don't we? for ourselves, what we want to do, what we want to acquire. Chances are, God has a much bigger plan in store for you. If we'll just trust Him and follow Him. Finally, though, Paul makes it to Rome. He gets on the ship. They make it to, to Rome. And there, in starting in verse 17 of Acts chapter 28, we're we're going to pick up there, and we're going to learn about what he encounters there. What we are going to find out is there, while he is there, he's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard in a rental house, all right? He has to pay the rent, okay? 
But that's where he's confined to is this rental house. Look at verse 17. After three days, they've been in Rome for about three days, recuperating a little bit probably. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. He starts off by calling the Jews brothers. I believe he's trying to build a connection here. Hey, I'm one of you, all right? And then he begins to give them the backstory. okay? He is, he is following his plan, all right? A- every time he went to a city with the gospel, what was the first thing he'd do? He would go to the synagogue. He would go to wherever the Jews were meeting to worship, and he would begin to share Jesus with them first. He can't leave his house, and so at this place, he's called them to him. They came to his home, and he's sharing with them the news of Jesus. But he starts with, here's what's got me here. Here's what's led me to Rome. Look at verse 18. When they had examined me, now he's talking about in Jerusalem, the Roman leaders, the Roman authorities have examined him. Okay? When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty. They wished to set me free. Okay? I could have gone free because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. All right? I could have gone free because I didn't deserve what the Jews said I deserved, which was death. All right? I was and am not guilty, all right? Verse 19, but because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. I was compelled. I really didn't have a choice. I had to appeal to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, I had that right, and that saved my life. So I appealed to Caesar, and that's what's brought me here. Verse 20, For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Listen, Paul wants to share the good news with with his Jewish brothers, just like he's done in every other city that he's come to, because what he has is news, good news of the hope of Israel, of Jesus, who was the one who was promised to come, the Messiah, and, and he wanted to come. He couldn't stop that pursuit of what God was leading him to do because he had the hope that they were looking for. That's what the Jews were looking for, was Jesus, this Messiah, to come, but they had missed him. Verse 21 there in chapter 28, basically is the response of the Jewish leaders is, we haven't heard of you. We don't know who you are. Nothing's come before you. No paperwork's come. Sharing the news about you, Paul. We don't know who you are. Look at verse 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Hey, Paul, we haven't, we haven't heard of you, but we've heard of the movement that you're a part of, and it ain't good. <laughs> uh, every, everybody speaks against it. Well, who's everybody? Well, you got the, the Jews and the Gentiles, pretty much. And so who, why are both of them against it? Well, the Jews are against it because... When Jesus came, he was not the Messiah that they thought he would be. Palm Sunday, how appropriate. Jesus came in as a king and was worshipped. But when the realization came that he was not the king that they had been hoping for, he was killed. And so now that they continue to proclaim this Jesus, he's not my king. My king's going to come, and, and he's going to 
raise up an army and we're going to wipe out Rome and we're going to take over the world. That's my king. Jesus is my king. So the Jews would speak against this movement. The Romans would speak against this movement because everywhere it went, it seems like riots were happening. And what they were talking about is there's another king. There is no other king but Caesar. And so even the Romans would, would speak against this movement that Paul's a part of. But his Jewish brothers, they want to hear about it. What is this? We're hearing rumors. We're just hearing different things. You tell us what this is all about. Look at verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the, king, uh, to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Now the Jews were coming to, to Paul's little rental house says in greater numbers. Now you've got, you got a whole group. There's more and more people are getting interested in this. They want to find out who this Jesus is and, and find out what Paul has to talk about. And so they all come and they gather. And it says that all day long from morning till evening he expounded. Man, wouldn't that just be glorious? An all day church service. Just preaching morning to evening. Wouldn't you love that? Yeah, I didn't think so. Anyway, um, but what, what did he do? He testified about the kingdom of God, this kingdom that was here, this kingdom that was coming, and it was here now, this kingdom that is both now, but yet still future, not fully understood until the second coming. He says this kingdom is here. And this kingdom has a king, and that king is Jesus. And that brings us to the next part where he says that he was trying to convince them about Jesus, that he is the king. He was the one as he went back to the Mosaic law and went through the prophets, and he just kept giving them convincing evidence that Jesus was the one. He is the one. Every, every promise, every prophecy was fulfilled in him. Nobody else ever came close to fulfilling the prophecies like Jesus did. He fulfilled all of them, and he would give them evidence about his, his life and his death on the cross, and his resurrection, of course, was part of the story, and, and all the eyewitnesses and all those who had participated. And of course, Paul's own story was a part of his striving to convince them about Jesus. Look at verse 24. And some were convinced by what he said, but others dis believe same thing that we see every place that paul goes some listen and obey or listen and believe my others do not he would go on to share with them a prophecy from isaiah and just showing them hey the prophet said that you would respond just the way that you are that you would deliberately not believe this is really where that prophecy takes us that you would deliberately not believe in Jesus, deliberately believe that he is not the one. And because of that, the gospel is going to go from you, the Jews, to the Gentiles. And they will listen. And they will believe. For some reason, no matter what evidence you lay out for some people, no matter how eloquently you can lay it out, many will not believe. They will choose to not put their faith in Jesus, to not believe the evidence. Even though, in my opinion, there's more evidence supporting 
Jesus and who Jesus is than the evidence that supports any other worldview out there. But yet, just like what Paul encountered, we will still encounter people today that don't won't want to believe, won't want to hear about Jesus. And then Luke draws everything to a conclusion. Let's wrap it up here, verse 30. Paul, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. I love that. He welcomed all. Everyone was welcome at Paul's house. Whether you were Jew, whether you were Roman, Gentile, you were welcome to come and listen to Paul. This past week, I was uh, going up to my gym to go work out, and as I came up to the door uh, on Tuesday morning, there was a sign on the door I hadn't seen before. Uh, this is the sign, uh, what it read. Attention members, if you are sneaking in non-members, your membership will be terminated. <laughs> so I came to the door, I saw that, went in. I had my card because I'm a member. And I went in, I kind of chuckled at it, worked, was working out, and and there were several more of those signs they'd kind of posted around the, the building. And, and then I started to get a little bit angry. Because, you know, I started thinking, you know what? I've come up here before, and it's been so busy that uh, there's been uh, machines and equipment that I couldn't work out on. And so you're telling me that some of those people may have been non-members? I mean, I pay. And then some of them aren't. And so I'm sorry, huh, I can't believe people do that. Now I backed off. I was working out, blood was flowing. Anyway, um, but then I had a thought. Would we ever hang a sign like that on the outside of our church? <laughs> no, <laughs> we, would, we would never do that. Members only. <laughs> and we wouldn't. But I wonder if sometimes maybe that's the message we communicate. Maybe we do really good for our guests who come in here and we're good at greeting at the door. Maybe we're even, maybe we're even friendly in our auditoriums, okay? But is that where it ends? Are we, are we accepting others into our lives, into relationships, into our groups? Uh, are, are we being intentional about connecting with with new people and making them know that we are so glad that they are here and they can join us in worshiping Jesus and, and, and growing in Jesus and reaching more for Jesus. Uh, do we convey that message? I don't know. I think we can do better. Paul emulated for us that everyone is welcome. Everyone is a candidate for the gospel and that's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of people we ought to strive to be. Verse 31, still talking about Paul. He says this is, what he, this is what he talked to people about whenever he came to his house. He was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Same thing that he was talking to the Jews about earlier. The kingdom, it's here, it's now, but it's not yet. It's still to come, but you can be a citizen of it. And we got a great king, and you can, you can be a part of this kingdom. It's a great kingdom powerful kingdom it's a kingdom that really will last for eternity he talks to him about the kingdom and he talks to him about jesus 
again, giving convincing proofs and evidences. And it says, and the way that he presented it was with boldness and without hindrance. Boldness and that he was not concealing the truth. He didn't care about consequence or what might happen, but he just spoke what needed to be spoken and without hindrance. And that he was, even though he was under military guard, he was chained to, to a soldier, he was still given the freedom to tell others about Jesus. John Stott says this, though he was chained, the word of God was not. And Paul saw opportunity after opportunity to share Jesus with others. Listen to me. Life is filled with opportunities. Trust in God's plan. Life is filled with opportunities. Now, we, we tend to see the difficulties more readily than the opportunities, right? But the fact is, life is filled with opportunities. Often, our difficulties lead to the opportunities. Life is filled with opportunities. We just got to keep trusting in God's plan. Many would come to know Jesus in these two years that Paul was there in Rome. And I don't know if Paul had any idea of the impact that he would have during his time in Rome. Yes, it's believed that he would eventually go and he would stand before Caesar and he would be able to give his defense. But I sometimes wonder if that was not his greatest impact. It seems to me probably his greatest impact was in that little rental house. As person after person came and heard about Jesus. And you also have to think about this. It's believed that Eight soldiers a day would be chained to him. Three-hour shifts throughout the day. At least that many, maybe more. That they're chained to Paul. <laughs> listening about Jesus. Listening to him talk. Listening to him give evidence. Listening to him pray. Maybe listening to him sing. He sang in a prison cell earlier. He probably did some singing in his little rental house. And they were their captive <laughs> audience. And I wonder how many soldiers came to know Jesus because they were chained to Paul. It's interesting, if you go to Philippians, you go over to, to his letter to the Philippians that he was believed that he wrote during this time, and there in chapter 1, he makes a statement that he says, what has happened to me, these chains that I have, they have only served to advance the gospel, and he, he shares about the impact that he's been able to have. If you go later in that letter in chapter uh, 4, uh, verse 22, and when he's giving his greetings like he always would do in his letters, he says, and, and the brothers in the household of Caesar send you greetings. Huh. I wonder how the people in Caesar's household started to learn about Jesus. Maybe it was because he was impacting guards and the word started to spread. Maybe some of those people in Caesar's household began to make their way over to the little rental house. Maybe it was during his time in front of Caesar that all those who were listening in heard. And some of them believed. And Paul continued to follow God's plan. And lives continued to be changed. Despite the difficulties. He pressed on. Now, some would, you come to the end here, and some would look at the way Luke ended and say, man, he ended so abruptly. It was just kind of, yeah, the last two years, this is what he did. Boop, over. 
You know, I, I, the shows, maybe you've been there, you've watched a TV show or a movie, and you, you know, you're into it, and you get to the end, and then it's to be continued. <sighs> what? You don't experience that as much if you're a binge watcher because it just, it's all there, you know. But back in the good old day, anyway. But it's frustrating when you get that to be continued moment. Maybe it's, maybe that's kind of what, Maybe that's kind of what Luke was trying to get across, God's trying to get across, to be continued. But it wasn't a statement this time. To be continued, just wait. But more of a command. To be continued. All we've read, all we've learned, all we've seen, all we've witnessed, the going of the church, the going of the gospel, the reaching lost people, is to be continued by you and by me and by his church. It's to be continued. We're not done. God's given us the baton and said, now you go. Now you run with it. Now you go reach people with this message, with this good news. It's up to you to advance the kingdom. It's up to you to reach the lost. It's up to you to grow found people. It's up to you to build a community where everyone's welcome. It's up to you now to reach people to advance my kingdom. Maybe you can remember the very first sermon in this series. I'm sure you can. Because Damien Spickerite spoke. It wasn't me. But when Damien spoke, his message that day was Tell his story and let God do the rest. That was his simple statement. Tell his story and let God do the rest. And that continues to be our call today. Continue to tell his story and trust God to do the rest. Let's keep going. Okay, church? Let's keep going. Let's keep reaching people. Because we got good news to share. Father in heaven, may that be our heart as a church, that we would be a going church. That we would not be a comfortable church, comfortable in our seats, comfortable in our traditions, comfortable in our ruts, but that, God, we would be going and pushing forward to reach lost people for you. May we even see that play out this week as we strive to reach people and invite them to services this week and Next week as we celebrate Easter, God, may we see the opportunities in front of us. May you give every one of us opportunities this week to speak in other people's lives. Maybe offer a simple invitation. Maybe just have a simple conversation where we can give some encouragement and hope. But God, help us to be a going church. Help us to reach our communities. Help us to reach this lost world. Help us to advance your kingdom. God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.